Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker. I am the managing editor of Android Central, and I'm here with my lovely guests. And of course, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about Google today. So let's get right into it. Hi, Chris Waddell. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. I'm all the way, all the way in New in York. A, You're in New York. Yeah, waking up, waking up in a New York morning. It's a, it's a big change for this Kansas kid. But I'm doing good. <laughs> good, good. I'm excited to hear everything about yesterday's event, made by Google event, and and get your thoughts on that. Uh, and then we've got Nick Sutrick. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. And we've got Jerry Hildenbrand. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, so let's you know, pretty much jump right into it because yesterday was the big fall Google event, the Pixel event. We had, um, I mean, we knew the products that were going to launch, obviously the Pixel 7, 7 Pro, the Pixel Watch, uh, the new Buds, and then they also did a little reveal of the Pixel tablet, which I thought was uh, interesting. So how about we just first start off by talking about the event altogether? Like, what did you guys think of it? Did you like it? I know we have a little uh, conversation at the later part of today about why Google got away with such a boring reveal of the devices, but I, I don't want to talk about that right away. Just in general, what did you guys think of the entire event? I kind of feel like given especially how boring the phones are, that Google did a good job presenting them as really interesting. I, I think they they highlighted the new um, features in it very well. And I, I mean, at least throughout the whole presentation, it wasn't like, oh, I already know this info. I actually wanted to watch them present it. Yeah, you know, and I thought the presentation, unlike other Google events, I mean, I'm trying to like think back of the previous ones, and maybe this is an indication of how... Um, unmemorable <laughs> past Google events are, but <laughs> I I really enjoyed the event mainly because I found it to be very personable. Like right. they just, they made it seem so warm and I find, you know, we've seen so many events like from Samsung and, and Apple and, you know, especially with Apple ones, they can be so hyped up and there's the connection kind of gets us like, yes, they do some of the, the stuff where they have the ads with, where people are talking about how the Apple Watch has affected them in a good way and, and stuff. But I found there was a, a little bit of a consistency on that personality uh, or that personable touch that this event had. But I, I actually want to jump to Chris because you, and obviously you're in New York still, but you were actually, you went to the event. Um, so, you know, tell us what it was like there kind of walk us through what it was like going to this event and um, seeing everything being revealed right in front of you instead of watching it on a on a TV screen. Yeah, I mean, it, it came across much in the same way. Um, I mean, the whole thing, you know, this is my first time attending a Google event or anything. Um, and so from that perspective, like everything seemed very set up. Everything was, you know, super friendly, but it was really helpful and everything was I think that, and that kind of carried through the entire presentation um, for all the products and the features. And so, I mean, sitting there, it was a, I don't know how it looked on the live stream, but it was a very small room. I mean, and they, it was crammed in there and I, it was, it had more people in there than probably should have because it got hot really quickly, but um, <laughs> it, it was good. I mean, you know, so it was, it was close and personal. Like I was at the back of the room and I was still only about 20 feet from the stage. Wow. And so, so, so the whole how, thing came 
did you see like I mean when you say that it was small like were, I guess did you see other reporters and like YouTubers because I think you had mentioned that at one point too yeah I mean I recognized probably half the people in the room from either um you know call, previous colleagues or you know fellow writers and you know YouTubers I mean there was the who's who of of YouTube was there um and I passed by you know saw Marquez MKBHD I saw Austin Evans I saw and the unlocker mess on everybody. I mean, there's so many people there and, and everybody seemed, you know, you know, we were talking about it was a boring reveal and, you know, potentially boring products, but everybody seemed interested. And I think it goes back, like you were saying, the, all the features that they talked about, you know, Nick, when you were saying how you wanted to hear it, even though you'd already heard it before, you wanted to listen because I think they did a good job. The whole, the whole feel of it just felt like these are the devices that, that are, they're personal, they're yours. They're, they're here to help you. That's the, the main theme around with, Google has done for a long time because they've, they've always been about their software features and how they can help you get things done and, you know, take stress out of your day or whatever it is. And so that was kind of the whole thing. And, you know, even going over to after the event was over and walking to the, the Google store where the kind of the hands on, we got to talk with some of the Googlers and everything. I mean, it was it's not a it's not a big store. This isn't the big flagship store. So it was a relatively small space there as well. But everybody was super helpful, super friendly and talking through everything. And um, I think they did a good job of kind of showing how these devices are are relatable and, and can help you out, um, you know, kind of make it your own and, you know, becomes an integral part of your life for the better or worse, but it, they have that a potential to do so. So I, I like that they have a Google store now, because what is this their second main store? Like they have one in California and then the one in New York, like, I don't know how many stores they, they have another have. one in New York, too. This is the yeah. second New York one. OK, see, I, I think that that's smart because now it's kind of like, I mean, I, I don't want to say this because it sounds really mean, but I'm going to say it anyways. You know, one thing I noticed with this presentation um, is Google is trying so hard, so incredibly hard to be an Apple. And I don't I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing because I, I think one thing that I was, you know, basically freaking out about, there was like two main thing, things, obviously the watch. I just, I can't stop looking at it. I can't, and this is, I'm, I'm talking mainly the design and the, the look of it, uh, not necessarily the specs, but I can't stop looking at it. I think it's such a beautifully designed watch. I think it looks exactly, literally it is an Apple watch. It is literally an Apple watch, but a Google watch. And I think that's so incredibly smart. But the other thing that I absolutely loved about the event that I don't think Apple did, or I, again, I can't remember if they did, but, um, this whole concept of this cohesiveness, right? Like all the colors of your devices can be like matched with one another. Um, you know, every, everything is sort of meshes well with material you, like it looks really cohesive and like, like the, ecosystem that Google really wants to have. I don't know. That really impressed me. I feel like you guys might have a different opinion on that, but that was just something that stood out to me a lot yesterday. Yeah. Well, and, and it, you know, if you're talking about the two, the differences between Apple and Google's presentations, you know, Google for, and, and I think this is for a long time, you know, since Google's had the pixel and, you know, really started working on um, expanding, you know, the, the buzzword of the fall is ambient computing and, and things like that. But um Google's been positioning its products in the, in the last few years as personal devices, as things that they're you, they get you, they're here for you. And they, yeah, they talked a little bit about the Tensor, the new Tensor processor, 
and a little bit about the Titan uh, M2 security chip from a hardware perspective. But that's that's really it. They, you know, they went through the cameras and the changes of the cameras, but it was more about what the how the cameras could help you get the best picture, how they can help you, you know, even after the picture is taken with their new features, you know, the photo and blur and things like that, how they can make your pictures look better for you. So they're the way you remember them. It's all about you. And Apple really doesn't do that. Like, it's all about here's how powerful it is. Here's what it can do. Here's, you know, you're, you know, they'll talk about their cameras and how you can be a professional videographer with it. But I don't think that they do as much, as good of a job of making the devices seem personal, like they're part of your daily life and what they're going to do for you as Google does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I want to talk specifically about devices because obviously those were the main things that came out yesterday. And Chris, you wrote so fast. <laughs> we're so impressed. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, our two hands-on. So we've got the uh, Pixel 7, 7 Pro hands-on and then the Pixel Watch hands-on. Um, I mean, I, I obviously don't want to like keep making you talk, Chris, but you obviously played with the devices. You had your first impression of the devices. Nick, you kind of said, you know, the 7 and 7 Pro are pretty boring devices. But what, what did you think, Chris and, and, and Nick or Jerry, whoever wants to jump in? Like, what did you guys think of, uh, of it and reading Chris's uh, hands on? Do we want to um, yeah, go ahead. break it down by product or kind of go overall or? Why don't you break it down by product or overall, whichever one you're more comfortable with? <laughs> okay. um, well, go for it, Nick. All right. So Pixel Watch is really what I care about coming out of this event. All right. I, I want a Pixel 7, Pixel 7 Pro in particular, just because all the camera improvements and stuff they made, I'm super impressed with because it's already a great camera, right? <laughs> And I feel like they spent 60% of the presentation on camera improvements, and that kind of blew me away. I'm thinking, okay, people already know how good this camera is. I I mean, really, the only negative part of the Pixel 6 Pro, I guess, in particular, camera was the video capture, right? It was was noisy, grainy at night, whatever. And I think a lot of the stuff they've done with the 7 is probably going to fix that. But gosh, they spent so much time on... Um, like the guided frame features for, you know, uh, blind or users that can't see as well, right? Mm-hmm. That was really, really cool. Um, all the stuff they talked about with um, Super Res Zoom 2.0, I guess they called it next generation Super Res Zoom, whatever. Um, just being able to uh, follow objects with video when you're zooming in, how it keeps it in frame. Like they did a lot of uh, really good intelligent uh, design with the camera app and with the the background software and stuff. Even and even like the me, whole recording thing with your, um, you know, as as reporters, we always have issues with recording and transcribing. They also have right. improvements on that too, which I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah, and and a lot of the other software features, like it almost feels like this is the real version of the Pixel Six, right? Mm. So last year we had, I feel like, two major new additions with the camera you had the motion stuff so you could either add blur to a photo or it will automatically unblur a face if it takes a picture Mm -hmm. Um, and then you had magic eraser both of which were super cool but it didn't feel like there was a ton added to the camera aside from the new sensor it was like the new sensor was the big thing last year whereas this year they're using the same sensor except for the ultra wide the ultra wide's brand new sensor and it does macro now too but they have added a ton of new back-end stuff to the camera software you know if if it's not user facing necessarily then it's 
stuff that the camera is doing in the background to make your experience better. Like they just did a really bang up job on that part of it. And I did not expect them to focus on that so much. Even the even the phones itself, I think they're very beautifully designed. I mean, it, it's your classic pixel phone design, but I don't know. It, it seems slimmer to me than the the six. Is that is that am I judging that correctly or or am I not? I don't know. It's it's almost identical. I mean, there there's very small changes, and like from the spec sheet standpoint, we're talking a millimeter, maybe here or there. So there's not much difference in that way. It's slightly heavier, I believe. It's either lighter or heavier by two grams. Um, so there's not a lot of change physically with the phone, so it doesn't feel that much different. But I, I do think, from a design standpoint, the the little the very subtle change to the camera bar, the visor, whatever on the back, and how before. It, it was just glass, you know, we kind of, we mm. the rail come around and then it stopped. And then the visor itself was all glass. And now your rails kind of meld over and kind of like what the Samsung did with the S20, with the S20 series where the side rail kind of moved into the camera housing. So similar to that, but the, uh, the, the curve coming off of the side rail as it goes to the camera bar is, is more subtle. So mm. like the other one is just like almost, almost squared off chunk for the visor. And this one just kind of seems a little more, part of the phone um but otherwise it's it's largely the same device from a physical standpoint yeah it's it's also i'm noticing that this phone seems to be very intuitive as well like i i was reading somewhere um online i can't remember who it was or where but like if you're playing a song um out like elsewhere like on another device or something it the name of the song pops up on the pixel device almost like it's using it's like doing what shazam does which I, I find very interesting. Like this, the phone is almost saying you don't need external apps. We're going to give you as many special features as we can to make your life easy. It's very intuitive. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm finding that to be the case with this phone. Well, that's uh, been that. Sorry. Yes, yeah, that's the now playing feature. Even the first Pixel did that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm stupid then. <laughs> no, no, that's. That's if if anything that probably you know proves that? a point, right? About right, you know, well, Google and, and its marketing and everything. Yeah, and that's that kind of goes back like what Nick was saying. Like I wonder, you wanted to listen to what they're saying, even though you may have heard it before, because it goes back to Google was really focusing on how here's how all the ways that the phone can just help you without you having to do anything. And so they're like bringing up all these features that people may have forgotten even existed. And mm. like, hey, don't forget your phone is doing this because you, you know, even if you're a Pixel owner, you may just forgot that it was doing this because you're so used to it. Or, and they're kind of like, never, hey, guys, don't forget. We yeah. never knew that your phone could do it because Google sucks at telling you what it can do. They sure <laughs> do, and so, and that's so, yeah. Tell me, tell me about that, Jerry. Like, why, why is Google bad at doing that? I I don't know. I I mean, everyone can see it. They have to know that they aren't really good at communicating what they tried to communicate this time that look this is a phone it's not a wrench it's you know it's going to be used in different ways by different people here's what we think will make you want to choose ours that's something they never seem to be able to do and i i don't know why they can't do it it, it samsung can do it apple can do it uh, you know, even Huawei used to be able to do it. Uh, they did a much better job than Google does at these at this one particular thing. And 
I, I think maybe it's, I don't know, Google's too analytical. They, they look at, they, they drill down into insignificant details and maybe they have a hard time distinguishing, you know, what normal people who aren't detail oriented want. I, 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 I'm guessing maybe, here. I don't know. Maybe they just don't care because they know they're making their money elsewhere. Maybe. And they just don't care to have to, you know, remind users of these small little cool features and details. And they just kind of uh, walk yeah. walk over it kind of thing. That's, that's you, you know, always the first, you know me. The first thing I think of is, well, do they need to? Does it make them more money? But you would think they would want to showcase all these things because all these things do make them money or have the potential to make them money. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Okay. I want to just um, talk about quickly what you guys think of the watch, because obviously that is the biggest, well, actually (laughs) they spent, I'm, I don't want to, again, I want to save this for a minute, but, um, Oh, you know what? Let's just talk about it now. Cause, cause Michael, (laughs) let's just talk about it now. Michael wrote a fantastic article. It went up today. Um, It's called Why Google Got Away with Such a Boring Pixel Watch and Pixel 7 Reveal. And in his article, he basically talks about how Google, um, you know, skimmed over so many of these little uh, details, especially when it came to the the watch. They literally dedicated about seven minutes to the watch in an hour-long presentation and spent nearly as long on VPN software and twice as long on Pixel 7's photography upgrades. Um, and then he, I, I, he, he writes, quote, that's not exactly a conventional way to launch a new product lineup you care about. Um, Google had good reason not to dwell, dwell on hardware given the controversies surrounding it. It used black-boarded watch faces to disguise the thick bezels. It didn't mention the four-year-old Exynos 9110 chip or whether the two gigabytes of RAM and coprocessor help it keep pace with the 1.5 gigabytes Galaxy Watch 5, and its 24-hour battery certainly never came up. These are like, you know, it was very evident that that they skimmed on a lot of things, and and I'm curious to know your thoughts on, on you know, how or why Google got away with such a boring reveal of these devices. I so building on what we just said, right, where. I think Google's products largely have always been for the tech nerds, okay? And I think because of that, Google has gotten away sort of with not really talking about its features, right? It, it, it's known for dropping products in blog posts, okay? Like they, they don't have huge presentations for a lot of these things. They historically have done stuff like that. Um, a lot of times, like you said, they'll go into weird detail or just extraneous detail on on certain things that maybe nobody cares about. And this time around, they went the total opposite. They didn't even talk about specs like at all. Did they mm. even mention one spec in that entire conference? I, I the only thing they yes, did. <laughs> something was 60%, up to 60% faster, but I can't remember what that thing yeah, was. Yeah, but even even that's not like a spec. No. That's like so marketing that's, talk. You know what I mean? Well, I was I was confirming you, right. They, they, that's, yeah. that's as far as they went. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah, like I mean, they, they, they went. They did, to, they did talk a little bit about the camera specs and the difference in that and how it handles the pixel bending and, you know, that, re, that's true. Re, they did, yeah. Rebuild the thing. And they did mention, I just, they did mention it was quick. I mean, they definitely didn't dwell on it. They did say up to 24 hour batteries on the watch, 
Um, that was that was a little tidbit he did drop in there when during the presentation, but he definitely didn't talk about the charging speeds or anything like that, or you know, obviously the processor or internal specs or anything like that. Yeah, and they mentioned Tensor G2 several times, but I don't think they didn't go into like clock speed and stuff. And I know this past um, Apple presentation, right, the one that was a month ago, I was kind of taken aback by how much detail Apple went into. Like they talked real deep about their processor and how many gigahertz it is and like stuff that I feel like is very not Apple. And this felt a lot more like maybe old school Apple than even Apple did these last few times, which is not a bad thing. I'm I'm just saying like it's it's almost like they figured out how to channel this sort of casual consumer mindset of I don't really care about what this processor is in here and, you know, how that compares to this other phone that's on the market. What is this product going to do for me if I'm spending 800 bucks on it? Yeah, you ever have those things you want to say, but when you say them in your head, they just sound, oh my God, that's going to offend people. But that's not your intention. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> With that said, app, app, yeah, a- Apple and Google both <laughs> fail there. Uh, your your average person, and and if this isn't you, you're, you know, please look up the definition of average. Who buys an iPhone? does not care about how much you know ram the logical kernel space takes or any of that crap they don't care the average person that buys a google phone probably doesn't care about that but the 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 the, the span is going to be wider there are more people buying android products who care about those stupid insignificant details so Apple is talking more about those details that nobody cares about, and Google is talking less about those details. So I'm confused at the direction well, these companies are going. It's interesting that you say that because I think I, I had written an article um, earlier this year, I think it was, um, about how the new Samsung device was going to have less RAM than the previous device, but it was going to cost more than the previous device. And one of the things that I got from like as commentary from someone was that um, at the end of the day, no one really cares. And it kind of, and it it literally corroborates with what you're saying, saying Jerry, which is like at the end of the day, no one cares about these specs. Um, Your average. And I mean like complete average, not the people likely not the people listening to this podcast, but your complete average individual is going into a store and saying, which one looks the prettiest, which one has really nice camera, right? Like that's kind of the way I think of it. Like I, I even look at it from my dad's perspective, who is an incredibly average and also very simplistic user. Um, he, he needs it for like a few things and that's it. He doesn't need, you know, the phone that has the highest processing and like the best chip and like the best RAM. Like he doesn't care about those things. And I think the average person doesn't. So, but, but does that allow or, 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 or does that work in Google's favor uh, in the way that it presented? Because the question that in Michael's article, he, he writes, the question is, does Google's laid back approach help or hurt devices like the Pixel Watch and Pixel 7? Does it? I think, yeah, I think, I think, it, I think it kind of goes like you know both like what Nick was saying and, and Jerry was saying. You got to kind of combine those two approaches, I think, because 
if we're thinking about who's who's what we know who the presentation is well maybe we don't we know who's the presentation is for but who's watching like these presentations the average user isn't going online and watching the apple presentation or the google presentation they're going about their daily life and eventually they'll see an ad or they'll see a friend or somebody will say something about their phone so it can really just depends on who who the presentation is for maybe google is thinking maybe more more average people are going to watch this presentation so let's tell them about what it can do when in reality they may have just been hiding the old specs on the watch and they don't want to call it out because it doesn't have the most you know the most powerful internals or the or the phone it's either so i think it goes back to like here's how you know the presentation is here how the phone helps you here's all the thing you can do from a, a automation ease of life make your photos cool side of things rather than this thing can run, you know, this processor can handle X teraflops of data. It can, you know, this much faster than this phone and this computer, whatever, like Apple's been doing on their last few presentations. So it goes, it, it's, it's a, I don't know, it, it's a chicken and egg situation, I guess. Well, one thing we have to remember, we're sitting here second guessing. Google knows exactly what we all like. Google knows what we pay attention to. They know what we look at on the Internet. They they don't have to guess. They know. Uh, they, Gary, I want to I want to clarify one thing. Are you talking about they know what we like? And when you say we, who are you talking about? The average everyone. Consumer? Okay. They 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 know what everyone likes. Mm-hmm. Now I, I don't want to sound like they keep track and tabs on all of us. They don't. But it's very easy to see a trend. You know how many people are interested in this? You know thing. Mm-hmm. Compared to how many people are interested in this other thing, uh, I, I they have to be looking at that data whenever they, you know, at least whenever they give an online presentation. If no other time, they they have to know what they think people want to talk about. Mm, yeah, no, it's true. I totally agree. And um, I want to just talk about one thing before we continue on, which we didn't really. Uh, talk about uh, during our, I guess, uh, thoughts. But I, I want to talk about the watch because obviously we, well, I'm, I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's lovely. But what, what do you guys think about the watch? You know, Nick, I know you have some thoughts, and obviously, Chris, you've, um, you did your hands on on it. So, what do you guys think of it? I can't freaking wait to get one. <laughs> and I don't really care about smartwatches anymore. So I feel yeah, like that you, says a weren't lot. You, weren't you the one who was saying some time ago that like you don't really wear a smartwatch? Like you wear yes. it sometimes and then you take it off and it's not really something that appeals yeah, to you? Yeah, I, 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 when Wear OS first, heck, when the original Galaxy Gear first came out, right? Like I wore that crap. I loved it. I wore Wear OS watches for the first four years, maybe three. I can't really remember. The first several years. And I liked them, but over time it got worse was the issue. And at some point I was just like, I don't want to wear these things anymore. Mm. And I've tried several along the way. I reviewed several of them last year and the year before for the site. Like I just, I have not found one that I really want to wear regularly. And, you know, obviously Chris is the one that used it so far, not me, but based on his hands-on and all the pictures and video we've seen from yesterday's event, Stunning. I really, really want stunning. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I read a tweet from 
uh, I really hope I, I always feel like I'm saying his name wrong and I, I feel awful. I'm going to just like quickly <laughs> look at his Twitter profile. Hang on. Um, uh, I think, okay. I think it's Ron Amadeo. I think that's how you say yes. it. Um, from, uh, from Ars Technica, he's a f- oh, f- phenomenal writer, but, um, he tweeted yesterday, he goes, despite the price and whack SOC, I really do like the Pixel Watch. It's just too pretty to be mad at. It's also really fast. There'll be sales eventually, right? I mean, okay, minus the sales part, but like, that's, that's the thing. I think I, and I wonder, and maybe Jerry, this might be something that you can talk to, but I wonder if, again, it's another circumstance here where people aren't necessarily going to care about the specs of the watch unless you are a major Android fanatic because the watch is so beautiful. Well, that and I, I'll, I'll take the easy way out here. In the early 1980s, uh, Suzuki introduced a motorcycle that would go 204 miles an hour. A couple years later, they tweaked the drivetrain and motor, so it would go 211 miles an hour. Uh, did you really need a motorcycle that would go 204 miles an hour? <laughs> you know, do do you need a watch that will go 204 miles an hour, or is 70 miles an hour good enough? Yeah. Uh, I, I people get hung up over specs. Yes. And I do when it comes to video cards, so I get it. Uh, I I spent way too much money on a video card that is showing me no noticeable return over the one that I used for a year before that I spent too much money on. And I, I know that I'm stupid for doing it. I don't know why people get hung up on details that don't matter. You, you know, you, once you have enough, anything more is just extra and extra cost. Yeah, uh, it's true. I, and the thing is, you know, I, I, I've never been this excited about an Android release or launch rather and I was messaging Nick about this yesterday because we were both kind of having a fangirl moment about the watch and we were kind of, (laughs) (laughs) we were chatting about it and I was like, I've never been this excited. Like this is the craziest feeling because I'm such an Apple watch person. I, I, that's like my thing. I love it so much. But when I saw this watch, I'm I'm like, it's it's literally an Apple watch. Like it's so beautiful. You've said that several times. It's everything an Apple watch is not. It's not square. It's not flat. It's not yeah. angular. No, no, no. See, see, I don't, I don't mean it in that sense. I mean, like, um, yeah. See, okay. It, it's not angular. It's not. It's not a square design. But what I mean by it is like it has fall detection. It has all the fitness things that you need. It has. It has a lot of the features that an Apple Watch has, which is what intrigues me to it. And it has a more. Uh, it has a newer a, a newer look to it because well I'm I'm also speaking from I have the series five so that's like we're on series eight that's it's like a, a several years old now but it it has a newer look that the Pixel Watch has a newer look it looks sleek it's sexy it's yes it, and it and fun. here's here's what I think right so the Apple Watch I think is ugly I've always said it's <laughs> ugly I hate the square I can't stand it okay. Starting with that, it does make things reading on it easier. Not that I'm reading things on it, but and I've heard that a million times, and I believe it. I really do. There's no reason to not believe what people when they say that. But here's something that the Apple Watch does that most smartwatches don't. 
it looks like a smartwatch. You know the second you see it that somebody is wearing an Apple smartwatch, right? Whereas most Wear OS watches go out of their way to look like a regular watch, which for a long time is what I wanted, right? I just wanted it to look like a watch and have additional functionality. That was my goal, basically, right? But the Pixel Watch does what the Apple Watch does in that it immediately looks like a smartwatch, but in a good way, right? Like it, it doesn't have that bulky, okay, here's a Casio calculator watch or whatever. It's a Casio, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. And even even the, the Galaxy Watch 5, <laughs> no hate to anyone who has that. I think the Galaxy Watch is so ugly. Like, I'm sorry. It's 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 atrocious looking. Yeah, and, and this is the thing about fashion stuff, right? These are all, it, you're going to think something different than I do 100% of the time. Like there is not going to be a watch that appeals to everyone. And I guarantee you, there's probably a, a good percentage of people wearing an Apple Watch that don't really like the way it looks, but they wear it because either they like the functionality or, or it's, it's status no, symbol it's status or, you know, symbol, some other reason than the way it looks, right? And I, I wonder if this will also have that same sort of mentality that's, that really catches that's on. That's exactly what I was, that's what I was thinking when I was watching this presentation. Because again, we've been, we've said this numerous times. When someone's Apple Watch dies, they still keep wearing their Apple Watch because it looks nice. It's a status symbol. I don't necessarily think Google has achieved that status symbol yet, but I do think that this is a step in that direction because if I had a Pixel Watch, and I wore it and it died, I wouldn't take it off because it looks nice. You better, Whoa. I never better catch you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, okay. I mean, okay, if we're talking about it from a from a feature standpoint, like you're saying, Shruti, it's got, you know, the fall detection, the health fitness things. But I mean, honestly, Sam, I mean, Samsung's Galaxy Watch 4 and Galaxy Watches before that have had fantastic health features to them and they've done the fall detection, they've done a lot of stuff. But I, you know, then it goes to the aesthetic part of it. And, you know, obviously the, the Pixel Watch looks way different than everything else out there. And, you know, and it, I have, I, I was able to get my review samples yesterday. And so I can't talk a whole lot about, it, but this goes back to the hands-on thing. So like, I'm, I'm wearing it now and it's, it's super comfortable. I mean, you, I have an Apple Watch also just for testing purposes and I enjoy wearing it from the standpoint of it's, I know it's powerful. It does all the features that I wanted to do as far as messaging and apps and all that stuff with the Apple Watch, but it feels comfortable to wear because it, it doesn't feel heavy. It just, it just stays out of the way, gets everything done. And that's, and that's the same way with this Pixel Watch. Like it's super comfortable to wear. It's out of the way. It's, it's not, I mean, it's really nice. I mean, Shruti, you're going to just convert to Android and so you can have a Pixel Watch because it's you're, you just need to have it. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, listen, we've literally spent 35 minutes talking about <laughs> just these devices and I have so many more things I want to pink your brains about. So let's take a really quick break and come right back. Don't go anywhere because we still have so many more things to talk about. So we'll be right back. One of the things I find most challenging every single time when I'm trying to find someone to hire is finding the right candidate. And that's why I have really decided to use Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. 
You can find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. And I know you all hate waiting. So Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. That's pretty incredible. So why are you waiting? Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit indeed.com slash ACP to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash ACP. That's indeed.com slash ACP. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. uh, Well, I mean, we're going to continue, obviously, a little bit more about Pixel stuff. But uh, one thing that was, uh, interestingly, now available on the 7, and, and, you know, I I don't know how good it is or not, but the the Pixel Series uh, 7 or 7 series will finally have face unlock. Uh, I I think that's a feature that a lot of people, you know, maybe liked or not. I know, Nick, you don't like it. You prefer having a fingerprint uh, but I think you you would still be able to have fingerprint with this as well as face unlock. And I'm curious to know how uh, how adoptable this this feature is going to be. Chris, have you used it yet? Uh, I have. I don't know if I can talk about it, though. <laughs> oh, true. Um, well, I mean, that was um, part of the hands on. I think you're fine. Well, I tell you what you can talk about. It uses the same software algorithms that Google Photos does to find your face in all the pictures you've taken. This is not a biometric thing by any means, and Google goes into that. So you, you can talk about its security level. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know the security level side of things. That's that's outside of my my realm, and I didn't hear it. I didn't know that part about the Google Photos. So that's news to me. But it is interesting when it when you have face unlock enabled, and when it, when it's you know it's doing its thing, it does give you a little indicator that it is. It's, it's going, it's doing, it's trying to, to read your face. Um, it puts a little ring that lights up around the front-facing camera. And so it kind of circles around that. So you, that's kind of your indicator that it is in process or whatever. So it does that. Um, is it fast? <laughs> uh, not really. Um, <laughs> Nick, and I, Nick and I were talking earlier. He, he'd asked me about it um, this morning in our, in our Slack chat. And it, it's something, and, and this makes sense, it kind of goes along with what Jerry was saying, how it uses uh, Google Photos algorithm, you know, to recognize your face, is it's it's hit and miss, and I think, and I said, I think it's something that'll improve over time, the more you use it, and it kind of learns your face, and, you know, different angles, and different lighting, and things like that will improve. It doesn't do, like, on, and maybe it's a study, and I just haven't looked for it, but I remember when I had a, a OnePlus phone, I don't remember which one it was, it would... As soon as it recognizes your face, it's automatically unlocked and took it straight to your home screen. Um, you still have to swipe up on this to access your home screen, so it doesn't just automatically unlock and go right into your phone, which I think is, from a, a safety security standpoint, I think is good because you don't want your phone just seeing your face you know, from a weird angle and unlocking itself, and then there your phone sits unlocked and your home screen's all there for everybody to see. But um, so, so here's my question there. I'll, I'll interrupt you. Do, when you swipe up, 
Does the face unlock happen before you do the swipe action or after? I assume after. No, it's before. Oh. Yeah, I hate that. This is why I hate I hate it on the iPhone for this exact reason. I thought it was because before. if you just look at your phone, it's scanning your face, and I hate that. <laughs> I mean, it won't it won't scan your face until you act, like activate the screen or turn it on, hit the button, double tap, whatever, and wake it up. Like it isn't just sitting there ambiently on the table scanning for your face. Right, sure it I does. know, but I just I, I well, it's just not processing thing. that information until you tell it to yeah. process it. The cameras right. in your phone never stop scanning. If if the phone detects that you are picking it up in, in any way, I I'm very sure that the camera is on and looking at you. And that's that's the problem I have with that's not Apple's creepy method. at all, eh? Like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's, like that this is why I like a fingerprint scanner because I have to move my thumb to the yeah, scanner and yeah, either click I, it in or do something for it to I actually authenticate i get it i don't don't think i I, don't like face unlock we get it no no no, no, it's fine i just i'm saying i don't think i was clear on why the last time we had this conversation and there that's that's the reason okay well i I think a a way to if if you are out there and you're absolutely confused over the last 30 seconds take a webcam from an old computer unplug it it's the lens still works the light still goes in uh, the data that is being harvested, nothing happens to it because it's not connected. Now, the camera doesn't actually disconnect in your phone, but it's not turned on to do anything with the data coming into the lens until a certain action is done. I, I guess hit the power button, it detects the, your fingers on the screen or whatever. So it's not like your phone is sitting on your nightstand at night spying on you. At least not not through the camera. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I guess the gist of this, right, is that this sort of face scanning methodology is not secure enough for payments, right? So this is a no. class one. This is, this is exactly what every phone except the Pixel 6 has had, uh, just with a, a newer machine learning algorithm. Right, yeah. That, I, this I think is, that's all learning, this is. I think the machine learning algorithm is probably a little better just based on how freaking good yeah, Google Photos is at recognizing faces. It's, like, it's scary good. You yeah, know what I you, mean? You would hope the newer one is better than the older one, right? Sure. But yeah, I, I, people got all gaga over this. And I'm like, no, this is not the Pixel 4 or the iPhone. This is a 2D. You can fool it with a flat photograph. This is not what you want. If right. you want to rely on biometrics to keep See, your I, phone safe. I think with this feature, I was hoping that they were going to do some sort of hybrid of fingerprint and face unlock where it has to match both. You know what I'm saying? That would be like, like that. That's, yeah. that's interesting. That's that would be interesting. super cool. And I, based on the leaks that we had, I thought that's what they were doing. So when they didn't announce that, I was a little disappointed. Okay, well, to be honest, like, you never know. There's a possibility that Google's listening to this and they might make that feature. Hey, that'd be, that'd be Google, don't you dare. (laughs) Hey, just make it an option. Put a little checkbox in there. (laughs) Label it as extra secure or something. I don't care how you call it. Just, you know. Goodness, goodness. I like, I like the, the, the two-step. It's nice. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to Pixel Tablet because obviously that was the, um, 
I guess, one of their announcements that they're going to have next year. They kind of revealed a little bit more of their of their tablet. Um, it's coming next year. We already knew that, though, but it's coming next year, and it 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 is going to have the Tensor uh, G2 uh, chip. It is going to have, I'm just reading the news article, um, a lot of the stuff from the Pixel line, such as video calling, photo editing, hands-free help from Google Assistant, uh, and I mean, it's a beautiful, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful de- de- device. It, it looks like it could almost, uh, replace the Nest Hub. Maybe. Yeah. Especially with the dock. Know. That's, yeah, that's that exactly dock where I'm at with it. That dock yeah. is stunning. Yeah. So, okay. I, before we begin, I have a bone to pick with people. So since this got unveiled originally at IO, right? When they teased it, the first thing everyone said was, OMG, look at the bezels, right? Oh. Guys, this is a tablet. Have you ever tried using any of the new Galaxy tablets that are like 15 inches and have a three millimeter bezel? It sucks, okay? It's great as a laptop replacement, but if you're using it as an actual tablet, in other words, you're holding it in your hands, where are your thumbs gonna go if there's yeah, no bezel? you kinda bezel? need a, a little bit of a bezel You there. need a bezel, guys, okay? I love you, and most <laughs> of the time, I would agree on the bezel thing. But man, this is not the place. <laughs> Real dumb there. All right, go no, on. No, no, but 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 going rant. back to I like the little rant, but going back to that the Nest Hub replacing con concept. Um I, I mean it depends on how much this is going to cost and also like if it's going if the dock is gonna cost separately, which I assume it will, maybe, or you could get the two together and it would cost a little bit more than whatever. But uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's beautiful. What do you guys think? I think I think this is. I mean, it really looks like a Google Nest Hub Max. Mm-hmm, yes. With a detachable screen, and I'm I'm okay with that. Like, you know, going back to the bezel thing, I'd rather my my Nest Hub not have the bezels because it, I'm not using it like that. But um, yeah, I I don't I don't I'm not really a tablet person. I've got a, a Galaxy S five E or something like that, and I have it. I rarely remember I even have it. And I don't use it. But I like the option of a tablet, depending on what I'm doing. Maybe I want a larger screen or whatever. But I do have smart displays in my house. And so the idea that those are the those are two in one. And if I decide I need a tablet or want to use it, I can just pick the thing up and go. Like to me, that's that's the exactly what I want. Like I want the smart display, I want the good speaker, I want all that stuff, and I want to use it as my smart display. But if I'm like, oh man, I really wish I had a bigger screen, I just want to grab this real quick and watch this video, I want to show somebody something. Be able to pull that tablet off and be able to use it that way and not have it be, at least as far as we know, a just terribly performing tablet. It's going to have, it should, for everything we've been told, it's got good hardware inside of it. So it should run well. So be able to grab that and use it as a tablet to me just is, is awesome. Yep. I totally agree on that front. And I think, depending on the price, I would replace my existing Nest Hub with this because it's a Nest Hub probably first and foremost, at least from my perspective. And then, of course, yeah, if, if you want to take it off the dock and use it as a tablet, it's great. And it does have a Tensor G2 inside, so performance my, my, is as good as a Pixel 7, right? I would agree. I would agree. I, I We have a Nest Hub at home, and, um, you know, I, I would love to have something like this. But my only qualm is that our Nest Hub is actually in our kitchen. And you know, every so often I have to clean the, the nest tub because, you know, you're you're cooking and there's yes. like grease or whatever. Yeah, you get so grease my, and stuff. 
Yeah, like my only concern is like if I were to get a device like this, I would I would typically keep it in the kitchen, you know, um, especially because it's a nice tablet. Like you could look up recipes, you could look up a YouTube video like really quickly. But then it's like it's going to get dirty so fast. And it's such a beautiful design. I wouldn't want to do that. You know, you can get a, a Nest Hub. I just looked real quick, the, the smaller one anyway, for fifty seven ninety nine. I guarantee this Pixel tablet's going to cost three seventy nine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. So if if you're on the Internet writing about this is the replacement for the Nest Hub. No, it's not the replacement for the Nest Hub. It's an expensive product that can also do the same thing as a Nest Hub. Uh, Don't mislead people. You know, Nick, Nick got it right. He he could use it as a Nest Hub, but he might want to do more with it. Like Chris said, he might want to pick it up and take it somewhere. That's what this is. when you're not using it, it can be a Nest Hub instead of just sit in a drawer. Mm. Right. And if mm. if anything, I would say this is probably, I don't want to use the word replacement for the same reason you said not to, but Nest Hub Max, like Chris said, that's 230 bucks, right? That's yeah, quite a bit more. I, I think that's what I meant to say. I, I'm sorry. I kept saying Nest Hub, but I meant to no, say you're, Nest you're Hub Max. You, and, and honestly, <laughs> their, their product naming for this line has been nothing but confusing. So <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> one of the things uh, like like you mentioned certain by using it in the kitchen and i you know use case of like i was saying i want to like look at something and show somebody a video or whatever i think of but if you look at it from the opposite direction of like you're cooking um or you're watching a show on your couch or you want to look up a recipe like grabbing the tablet find the recipe you want go to the kitchen stick the thing on the dock and now it's sitting there and it's got your recipe and sometimes asking for a recipe through you know, the Google Assistant, sometimes you don't find what you want or it's limited to what's a, like what can be displayed on a smart display. Um, so I think if you can actually like scroll through your favorite websites or if you're a Pinterest user or whatever and finding recipes, find what you want, start, you know, load the recipe up, stick on the dock and then start your meal. Like that that's, is easier what, to do on a tablet than through voice. A hundred percent. That Well, that was that that is literally what I envision it to be as. And mm-hmm. But the, but again, the, the only thing is I would not want to store it there. Like I wouldn't like I wouldn't if I were to have that, I would keep it there on the dock permanently. But then then it, this is not the product for you then. No, no, I get that. But because obviously this is used for other things as well. Right. Um, I don't know. Anyways. Well, this is you could do what you just said, but you're spending an extra likely 150, 200 bucks to do that. Don't, 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 yeah. don't buy this. If you just need a, a Nest Hub or a Nest Hub Max, whatever, Grande, whatever the hell they call it. Grande. If, if that's what you need, buy that. Save the money. Okay, give me the pumpkin spice uh, Nest yeah. Hub Max, yeah. please. You know, don't, don't, don't fall into what you're seeing people, you know, say that this is, this could be a great replacement. A great, expensive replacement. Yeah. Right. No, you know sure. what, though? I would really hope that this thing is less buggy than the Nest Hub. I don't know about you guys, but ever since it got upgraded to Fuchsia, man, ours has been like just. I, oh, I agree, it's man. Been, it's last, been bad, man. It's geez. this last it, week has been terrible. Yes, yeah, I, mean, like, I don't know if okay. they're updating something, but I'm asking for a reminder. Send me a reminder, and it'll be like, "I'm sorry, here's some things I can do." I'm like, I literally, you, this is you're listing the things you can do for what I just asked you to do. What right. the hell? Yeah, and we have like you know daily alarms and things like that. I can't tell you the number of times one of those will go off, and it sounds like you know when a game crashes and the sound just glitches and repeats. 
It does that crap all the time. God. Oh my oh. gosh, it does it all the time. It's like, guys, what did you do to this thing? Oh my God. <laughs> okay, so, let's yeah, take a quick break. <laughs> let's take a quick break because uh, I want to talk about some something from the graveyard after the break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Did you notice that big tech companies today are masquerading as privacy companies? Just fix your privacy settings, turn off app tracking, you're all good, right? Are are we supposed to believe that the big bad tech wolf has now turned into our sweet grandma? Big tech literally feeds on your information. Sure, maybe they'll release a feature now and then that does some good, but collecting and selling off your data is in big tech's nature. They can't stop themselves from looking at what you do online. The better to see you with, my dear. To protect myself against big tech's prying eyes, I use ExpressVPN. When you use the ExpressVPN app on your computer or phone, you're hiding your own unique IP address. Websites can't use that address to find out your real location or track what you do online. On top of that, ExpressVPN encrypts and reroutes 100% of your online activity so your internet provider, Wi-Fi admin, and hackers can't see it. The best part, though, is how easy it is to use. It just takes one click to protect all your devices. One ExpressVPN subscription covers up to five devices at the same time, so you can protect your entire family. That's why ExpressVPN is rated number one by CNET, Wired, TechRadar, and countless number of other people. So, today's the day. Get the VPN that I trust to protect my online privacy when big bad tech is at the door. Visit expressvpn.com slash Android and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Android. expressvpn.com slash Android. Okay, as I mentioned, we're going to mourn another Google service that has now... Are we, though? Maybe. 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 Anyways, obviously, we, I mean, uh, two weeks ago, I think I think it was last week or two weeks ago. I can't remember. What, to, what is time? I don't even uh, know. It was a week ago. Okay, there we go. A week ago. Uh, well, yeah, it was because we were supposed to talk about it in the podcast last week, and we were all so busy, and we didn't have time to it. So, anyways... Um, Obviously, y'all have heard about the news about Stadia, um, Google's cloud gaming service, uh, which is going to shutter. Uh, I mean, that obviously made big headlines across um, the tech world because it's another, you know, service that, you know, Google has sort of killed uh, along with so many other services it has done so in the past. Um, uh, If you want to read a little bit more, there's a fantastic article by Michael who he wrote it last week it's titled google will never recover from its stadia debacle and and jerry i know you've also written something about you know what why google shutters so many of its projects uh we know area 120 was another one that it recently shut down i don't know what do you guys think about this okay so my favorite tweet that came out of this entire thing person said to be fair Google Stadia faced terrible odds in the past three years, having to deal with a global pandemic forcing people to turn to online entertainment. 
Graphic cards and console shortages creating high demand for alternatives. If only they hit the market at a better time. Man, sarcasm. Oh my God. Oh, it's so, it's so mad. It's incredible. But it, I think it kind of proves the point, what we were talking about earlier in the Pixel and Pixel Watch marketing. Google really needs to change up its tactics because um, if you can't market what it should quite literally have been the perfect virtual virtual console launch of all time then you got to do something different well but what could they have done different they had a separate standalone event with if you're a gaming fan stars on stage to tell you about it the early demos were amazing uh it it performed exactly as advertised and then after they did that the internet nitpicked it apart Oh, the latency is 7.2 milliseconds. That's 0.2 milliseconds to some of it. You cannot, you, you don't tell me you, you notice 0.2 milliseconds. You're a liar. And if right. you wrote an article like that, you're lying. Uh, it, it was destined to fail because people wanted it to fail. In a very many ways, it was a yep. self-fulfilling prophecy. Yep. But that's also because Google continually kills good products well google you know what google sells smart <laughs> algorithms that's all this company does and, and people need to stop thinking of of them as our friends they're not our friends they're they're there to make money through little lines of code sure but if you're trying to sell a console and you're the company who only sells algorithms and is known for killing their algorithms or whatever then well, they sold the algorithm and are going to make a ton more money from AT&T and Comcast than they ever would through Stadia. Right. Google comes Almost out ahead assuredly. here. Yeah, Google comes out way ahead here, and they they don't care if we come out ahead or not. They're an now, American yeah. business. Yeah, now most likely long-term, this benefits them a lot more this way than it probably would have given the trajectory of things, right? But I I just, you know, what did it take a year out of the gate for them to kill off all the first party studios? Like it, it feels like they never really had their heart in it to begin with. And I don't think I'm the only person that feels like that. Sorry, go ahead, Jerry. They got what they wanted out of it. And that's, I think the mindset people were disappointed. Oh, Google killed this service. I love, Hey, I loved Google reader too. Uh, Google got what it wanted about uh, out of that service. It needed data. It needed to know how to refine this, that, or the other thing. It needed to know how to package these two different ideas together. Once it gets that, Google does not care about you. No, and and just to that point too, Jerry, because um, I remember when the announcement was made, I, I was on Twitter and I saw so many, I mean, it was really sad, but like a lot of indie, smaller developers tweeting being like, we're literally launching our product like next month and we're just finding about this. Yeah. Sure. And on the flip side, you had bigger studios that were instantly prepared. So they must've had advanced notes. hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, if, if Ubisoft was ready to help you migrate your accounts from Stadia to what the hell is the name of their service? You play or whatever it is. They had to have known. Somebody oh, but, from Google told them. But Ubisoft is the only one that appears to have known. That's the thing. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying is right, right, right. The the problem there is Google told some companies, 
and didn't tell all companies. That's because they know which companies are, you know, they want to maintain a relationship with right. because they know that, that those companies make money versus smaller indie players. Like, who cares about them, right? Yep. It just It's just sad. It sucks. It, it was so depressing to see because it's like these people have a livelihood and it's like, I don't know. I was just, I was a little upset about that. It just kind of frustrated me. Yeah, well, no, there's... There's a lot to be frustrated about with this. Y yes and no. Each time Google does something like this, I, I'm a little happier because it will help more people understand Realize that Google that. is not there to serve us yeah. or to provide us with anything we want or need. It is there to only make money. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fair statement to make. But doesn't Google need users to prove that this is a viable product. Yeah. And so then, because if it's not a viable product, they can't sell it and make more money later. And if people keep betting on or, or joining or using whatever these new products Google comes out with, like Google Stadia, and they invest their time in it and they get set on it, it's something you enjoy, you like using, and then Google's like, well, we're shutting it down. It's out of here. If people are going to stop using these things. And Google's going to use, I mean, in the end, like at some point in time, that, that user data, then the, Proving ground that Google is, seems to be using for a lot of their services and products for is going to start to dissipate. Like, why would you use something and get invested in it? You know, you go to you can look at the messaging trail of dead messaging platforms and apps from Google. But like, why would you use Allo? Because you know they're going to get rid of it. So don't get your friends on it. Don't get your friends on Hangout because they're going to ditch that. Well, no, you know, it's Stadia because users Google. users don't know that Google. I mean, okay, yeah, obviously there's but a track record. Start to. Yeah, they're they're going to start it. They're going to start to and they're going to start to see this pattern and they're going to say, "Oh, well, why should I even use a product when I know Google's probably going to kill it?" Case I in hope. point, I, I mean, case in point, in, in Michael's article where he was talking about the how boring the 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 event was yesterday. At the bottom of the article, he was like, "I hope they don't do the same thing they did with Stadia with the watch and with the Pixel device because that would suck." But I I don't necessarily think they will, but. You know, at the, at the end of the day, I think there's always a little bit of hope that people have that they want to hold on to, that they want to think, oh, I'm going to continue using these services. I, I hope Google doesn't shut them down. I think that's why it still continues. Right. And more people to think that way, more people to worry about it and less people to jump on Google's products. That's the only way that things will ever change. So remember that the next time you want to buy something, if it's may comes from Google through Google or partnered with Google, think, do I really want to invest my money in this? I think that's with any company though, right? Like it's not just Google. Right. But it, well, it seems as some are worse than others. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Okay. I mean, okay. That being said, Nick, you wrote an, a, a news article saying, forget Stadia. Google is getting back into VR in a way we didn't expect. Essentially, Google is pouring $12 million into the best Quest 2 app store alternative. Um, Google Ventures, essentially, uh, into SideQuest. It's the most popular third-party app store available for the MetaQuest platform. I think that's so interesting. I do, too. And I feel like this is a lot better investment for Google than building another platform like Stadia, right? Because this platform already exists. There's already a crap ton of users on it. There's a bunch of apps. I mean, there's literally like thousands of apps and games in this thing. Do you think it's, they would be able to buy out the company at some point? I don't see why not, although I'm afraid they'll kill it if they do. 
don't know what they get out of buying it. <laughs> now, right, do they okay. need to buy it? Then they've got overhead yeah. where now they're just making money from Right, now they're else. just dumping money into it as an investment and they'll just make money back, no big deal. So something I touched on in this article, um, and I didn't go too more in depth with it because we don't cover it too much. Um, basically, I took the Quest 2 angle because, like I said, this is the, the biggest third-party app store for the Quest 2. You can sideload things on here. It's It's nice that you have a space Four things that uh, Meta can't just say arbitrarily. Uh, you you don't make our store for ABC XYZ reason, right? Like you can go to SideQuest and you can get a bunch of stuff. But I think what's more interesting is that um, a lot of Meta's competitors, Pico, probably even Google themselves, are going to use the same, if not very similar, chipsets and probably running on Android and all that stuff, which means that SideQuest also works for those platforms. So by Google investing in SideQuest, it's effectively just investing in VR development. It doesn't matter which platform because it really works for all of them at this point. Well, when Android first came out, I, I, I mentioned something about this is Google's plan to take over everything. Uh, the, you make something that can run on any hardware and you give it away for free everyone's going to use it. Do you know the sure. Quest 2 runs Android? We, yeah, I, you know, we all do. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you might know that too. But most people, they don't know that. It is, it's the same thing as your phone. You can install almost any Android app onto your Quest 2. Uh, it's yeah. just, you know, it might not work because the controls aren't, aren't designed for it. But that's why Google gave Android away. Now they can have their hand in everything and that's why Google is so worried about Android versions in the wild. Google hates what Amazon is doing. Amazon forked off at a certain point in time and is developing some of the things they have to get from Google to update their software and their Kindle devices. Other stuff they're doing in-house. And as time goes on, it's moving further and further away. But products like a VR headset... They're not. They're they're pretty much lockstep with Android right. versions, and Google just loves that. They rub their hands together like that little Monopoly guy with the monocle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and, that kind of answers my question then, because that, that was me. My what I was going to ask is so you know what what happens in when Meta says we're gonna we're gonna block side quests or block side loading or whatever to the to the the headsets the uh, the Quest headsets. You know, what happens to side quests at that point? And so I guess, you know, Nick, you, you kind of answered my question there with saying that, you know, the Pico and other potential competitors are going to run basically the same hardware, making side quests compatible and potentially compatible with them as well. Right. And and because most of these headsets run identical hardware or, you know, maybe there's like one spec that's different. They're, they're almost all the it's, it's like when you buy yep. a generic Android phone, right? They're all running the same Qualcomm processor. They're all running basically the same Sony IMX whatever camera sensors like these are effectively the same devices with maybe a slightly different screen a different name on the back a different you know skin on top of Android in a lot of ways this is sort of the same thing right so you can, something like SideQuest is great for all of them you can buy off the shelf hardware and software that match without much work from yourself you can just buy it throw it together get somebody to manufacture it for you and it will work. 
Right. Now, I mean, with VR headsets, it's a little more difficult because you have to track the controllers and the headset. And a lot of that stuff is proprietary. You know, that's not that's not built in Android. Um, so, you know, it's not like it's just copy paste, slap a logo on the box and sell it. It's that's super oversimplifying it. But yeah, it, it, this is a very interesting investment. And, you know, we all we know. We, I'm sorry. We also know that Google has been building this mysterious AR VR headset called Project Iris for the last year and a half, basically. And they're using the team that made the Focals by North uh, up in Canada. Oh, I, I, I already, I'm already, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm not going to say anything because we already know what happened with Focals by North. Let's, let's be honest there. <laughs> I don't know how well, successful that's going to be. <laughs> We'll see how it goes. Either way, they have an interesting hand in it. And it's pretty cool to see SideQuest getting this kind of investment, really. Shruti, you brought up something really interesting. Uh, Focals by North was amazingly successful for the people who invested money in it. Yeah, but then... That's all they, they cared failed. about. Yeah, of course. Did they did they fail if, if Google bailed them out and they made twice their investment? The company might have folded, but they didn't fail. Semantics, though, Jerry. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, semantics, but from a business standpoint, yeah, that was extreme that was success. A hundred percent. Yeah, of course. From a business perspective, it was very successful. From a consumer perspective, I would say mm. not so successful. <laughs> I don't, but again, semantics. If 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 we want to talk about it, but anyways. Um, I want to talk about my favorite thing of the week every week, which is what made us happy this past week. So who wants to go first? I can go. It's Mine's pretty easy. Um, I got to go to New York for the first time. So that's kind of what made me happy. It's been an interesting trip. And, you know, I got to play some cool stuff and meet some nice people. And it's been a really fun trip. So it's been it's been good. That's just made me happy. Aww, but I'm ready to go nice. home. I'm yes. ready to go home. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyone else who wants to go next? I didn't have to go to New York. That made me happy. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, all, all these events suck. They're great the first few times. But, God, you know, the people that write the stuff you read online that have to jump back and forth to these places, they either already hate it or they will hate it eventually because it's not <laughs> fun. But uh, I can't talk about what made me happy. And that sucks. But I got to do a thing and see a thing that was really cool. And, uh, I just can't talk about it. So I'm trying to think of something else. I love how ambiguous and intriguing that was. Cause well, I, I mean, <laughs> no, I, I take that very seriously. If I can't talk about it, I can't talk about it. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that in like a, Oh, why aren't you telling me? It was, I was just like, Oh, that's so intriguing. And it's, it's funny. Cause you and I both have that, that same answer. Cause last week I went to New York and, yeah. Saw a thing and all that. I'll write about can't it next week, of course, but can't <laughs> talk about it right now. Sorry. But my alternative, though, is that I finally got the two windows for the rabbit hutch, and now the rabbits have windows that open and Yay! close. So that's so cute. They fancy. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay. Well, the thing I have a I have two things that are making me um, happy this week. The first is I started watching a show on on Crave, which is, um, well, it's it's a Canadian streaming service, but it's partnered with HBO, so we get HBO shows as well. But I started watching 
a show that's not new. It's an old show, but I am now like literally I've like gone through everything, but it's called Selena plus chef. It's by um, Selena Gomez. And she started the show during the pandemic. And basically she says how she's like, uh, she loves cooking, but she sucks at cooking. And what better way to do it during the pandemic when you're quarantined to learn how to cook. And so she brings a new, sh- like a, a, a chef every single week, like a, 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 a you know, a, a very renowned chef every week and they're in their home and she's in her home and they're cooking virtually. And every, every, um, episode they donate to a, a, a different charity. And I don't, it's just, it's, it's just really fun to watch because she's very fun and very like normal in the show. Like she's not like overly dressed up or she's literally wearing sweats. Um, but what's exciting about it is that I'm, I love cooking. Like in general, I just, it's something that's very therapeutic for me and I just enjoy it. But this has made me want to cook even more and do even more in the kitchen and just try new dishes. And I don't know, I find that very exciting and it's making me really happy because I've made a few things this past week that have made me feel really happy, like food wise. So that's the first thing that's making me happy. And then the second thing is, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, uh, but you guys know is I'm getting a puppy at the end of this month and it's, uh, it's, it's coming on October 30th and, uh, and Halloween is my favorite day. So obviously October 31st is the day after. And we got, I got the puppy a little like dragon costume. (laughs) And I'm so excited about it. Anyways, that's, what's making me happy. So yeah. Okay. Well, That being said, (laughs) that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening to us wherever you're listening to us, whether it's in the morning, afternoon or night. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we will catch you guys soon. Bye. See ya. Adios. Bye, y'all.